All right. Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati podcast, proudly presented by Irish 31. Folks, you're going to hear it all season long. Irish USF Bulls watch parties all season at all six locations. All right. For, for those away games. So head out there, grab some beer, grab some food, go hang out with your friends, go hang out with fellow USF Bulls fans at all locations, uh, Seminole, uh, Wiregrass, Hyde Park, West Chase, Oviedo, Aristota, all of them. Just go hang out with fellow USF fans and, and drink, be merry, drink responsibly. Uh, and you know, something else that's pretty cool here. Uh, so there's a bulls bonus watch parties with Danielle and magic 94, nine, uh, Saturday, September 25th, uh, which is the BYU game. They will be at Irish 31 Hyde park. That's uh one six one one West Swan Avenue, Tampa, Florida, three, three, six Oh six. They'll be there. And, uh, there's going to be uh, bulls themed drinks and $5, 16 ounce jingling flight cans wall to wall flat screens and LED walls with the game on sound up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's a cardboard cutout of Coach Scott at every single pub. Share it to Instagram for a chance to win tickets to the next USF home game. Make sure you tag at Irish31pub and hashtag horns up. Let's get it cracking, guys. Uh, this is a, a pretty pretty important, I'd say. You know, we've had some important podcasts, uh, you know, through the history here at at the Daily Stampede. But I think this is one of the the more important ones. It's definitely the most important live stream we've ever done. Uh, you know, you can count on one hand how many live streams we've done. You know, you know, maybe the first one because it was the first one was pretty important. But I think this one, given everything that's kind of gone on over the last week or so, especially this past week, uh, I think it was important to bring on some some special guests who who just absolutely crushed it. Uh, writing guest posts for us this week. We've got Dr. Matt Morrison and Dr. Carlo Mastraccio. And we have uh, Daily Stampede uh, co-founder here, uh, Colin Sherwin, who's uh, live from Vegas. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Carlo's screen here, but uh, Carla, can you hear us? Are you live out there? I am. Can you hear me? We can hear you. I can't see you, though, but we can definitely hear you. Okay, I'm in the little square thing, so let's. <laughs> I mean, if only we had a computer scientist in the house. Oh, man, jeez, where are they when you need them? Yeah. Um, it, you know, I know this has been a pretty trying week. We we all talk every single day, kind of about what's been going on. And uh, let, let's start with, with Dr. Carla here. Uh, you wrote a pretty impassioned, impassioned uh, story for us earlier this week. What were your thoughts? Why did you write what you wrote? Oh, okay. Um, that's a really good question. I didn't think we were going to open with me. And I was oh, yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was just typing, can everyone see me now? Can you see me now? Or Not, not even a little still? bit. Do you want me to call back in and uh, get on my cell and see if it'll do it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let me just answer this question first and then I'll call back in. Um, You know, I've been working on and off with USF for a 
about 13 years or so. And I have probably a 20 year history of working with them. So my husband likes to say that I know where all the bodies are buried and people should be really careful, which I think is hysterical because I mean, that's not my intention, right? I don't want to call anyone out. I'm not trying to be unkind to any former colleagues. Um, I just, you know, I see so many things that are wrong because I feel like I have a vantage point that a lot of people don't have. So I'm, you know, my father went to USF. So I grew up, you know, going to campus with him and things like that. You know, then I started um, as a student at the university, but I also work with the other state university systems and student affairs. So I work with all 13, actually no, 12 uh, college campuses on the state of Florida in their student affairs office. You know, and I worked in the office of the president and I've been a professor there. So I feel like I see a lot of things from different levels and I can compare the institution organization to other institutions up here and aspirational. And I've taught, you know, I've taught everywhere from, you know, community colleges to commuter schools to, um, you know, just really large state research universities to private universities. So I also have a vantage point in terms of understanding student culture and different types of students in Florida, which students choose to come to, you know, what universities and then what they're like when they're there. And, you know, it's, it really, it upsets me when words don't match deeds or words don't match reality. You know, I'm a rhetorician by trade. I study language and how language circulates in culture. So, I mean, I know a con when I see one and it's been going on for a long time and it just, I've been pretty vocal. I'm not, I don't think anybody who knows me thinks I'm not, vocal about that so yeah uh, well put uh, we'll let you uh get your camera fixed and we'll, we'll go to matt and i, I want to come back to you because i, I want to pick your brain on on the story that you wrote as well great thanks all right dr matt uh you you wrote uh something that i think will hit home for a lot of folks uh i was surprised at the overwhelming positive feedback that we got from this uh i was really worried about uh jamie's uh story and we'll, we'll get to that he's not going to be on here because he's he is so far out he's back in and then out again uh so we'll we'll get to that but uh, Dr. what what was your thought process we, you, you've always had uh, a way with words especially for us in guest posts what was your thought process in in making making this one count and uh, hopefully getting eyes, you know, the, the right people getting eyes on it. Cause it see, it seemed like it hit home to, for a lot of people. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, having me on and uh, you don't have to call me Dr. Matt. Um, I, um, the, the, I'm different than Carla in that I, USF is an adopted thing for me. I, was in the Navy for six years. I was a nuclear electronics technician in the uh, the submarine fleet. And I have a passion for veterans integrating back into society. And I see how many struggle when they come back in. And I struggled when I came back in and I was trying to go back to college on my GI Bill. I was miserable at my first school. And I started asking around and a lot of people would tell me some schools and they tell me where they went and they would say, well, you know what? If I had the opportunity to do it all over again, you know where I would go? I would go to the University of South Florida. They're the best school for veterans in the country. 
bar none. And I said, you know, enough people I trust tell me the same thing. I'm going to take their word for it. So I went down to visit. It was September 2007 and uh, fell in love with the place, fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the people. And on a stroke of luck, I happened to my very first USF game was the USF Virginia game uh, in 2007. And I just went, this place is great. Where has this place been my whole life? Why hasn't anybody told me about this? And I went to visit a couple other schools. I mentioned Texas Tech in my piece. They just happened to be the one that was the next week. And it was kind of like when you fall in love with a house and you go to see the other three just to make sure you're doing your due diligence. But right. I knew I was home. And I, I, I just felt that the entire time I was there, I really enjoyed... Uh, going to games, I started going to the beef studs and babes. And then when I uh, became a grad student and a grad teacher, I actually eventually became a graduate advisor uh, for the beef studs and babes. So I got really involved right around the time uh, when it transitioned uh, from Coach Levitt uh, to Coach Holtz and starting to see some of the things that I saw. And where I came from versus what I saw at USF, I fell in love with the culture and then I started seeing the cracks in the culture. So that's when I started getting upset. And my initial reaction was kind of sit on things. And, you know, I've mentioned a couple other things. So I, I worked as a, a IT intern in the athletics department. Um, and I was the same, the same thing at Carla. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, dump on people. I've done enough with that. I, I've said enough mean things about Joe Heiss in my articles. I don't need to do things like that. <laughs> it's um, always fun. It's always fun, though. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, but the thing about that, it was so emblematic of so many of the things that I'm seeing. You know, I, I found what I found about his claims by accident. I actually didn't really hate the logo. I didn't like it, but I, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when he started presenting data. And then when I found that none of the quotes that he had were from USF students or alumni, it was so encapsulating of the culture problems that I've seen which is that if you live outside of a three county radius of USF, you almost feel like you're not part of the culture at all. And as somebody who cares so much about veteran education, these are the people who are future leaders. They're going to be future state representatives. They're going to be future state senators. They're going to be senators, potential presidents. These are people who are going to contribute to the society, who are going to give back to the, to the school. And we have an alumni association, a foundation that don't really engage at best or at worst. If you talk to other people, it just, it feels like, you know, there's no engagement and they don't want members. And, you know, Jamie's article hit in a certain place. And there were a lot of things that I was nodding with because the next president of USF is going to need to realize that Tampa is filled with people who feel the exact same way, where it's going to be like, no matter what you do and say, you have burnt too many bridges, you have hurt me too many times, and there's nothing you can do that will make me give you want to give you my money. So the reason I felt the way I, I felt is because it, it's a combination of that like toxic culture. But then you have somebody like Jose Fernandez, who does everything right, who's had every opportunity to leave and stays around. And then once UConn left for the Big East and he had that opportunity, he won the, he won the conference championship. I feel like that's something that a 
future USF president, if they're willing to put in the work and they know what they're getting into, would be able to cultivate that culture. But it's going to take time and it's going to take effort. And I think that is important for people to know that. And that's why I, I, I apologize for rambling. I see Car Carla's back on. Um, but that's why I felt so passionate about it, because it's just USF is so well positioned to make a difference in the United States and we're not taking advantage of it. Pal, uh, you, you couldn't have said it better myself, and I, I will say this before we kind of bring Carla back on. Uh, as the editor for your storage, you know, I knew how serious this conversation was going to be that I did not change Texas Tech to the middle school in Lubbock. That's how that's how I knew this was an important <laughs> story, right? I, I, I didn't want to make the joke. I, I, I wanted it to, to be what it was because it was such a fantastic story. And if you guys haven't seen it, please check it out. Please check out all three stories uh, that, that Carla and, and, and Matt and Jamie wrote because they're important. I know we had the groundbreaking today, and we'll get into that. And uh, Will Weatherford uh, – boisterously proclaiming that we're going to have an on-campus stadium. We will get to that, I assure you. But we, I want to discuss further about what and why everything was written. And, and Carla, Carla, you're you're back on, and you made some really good points there at the, at the beginning. I want to I want to let you just kind of expound, and you know, the floor is yours. I, I know we've we've talked privately uh, over the last few days about everything. I, I, if you want to get some stuff off your chest, if you want to help USF leadership go in the right direction with this presidential church, with, with anything going forward, the floor is yours. Uh, it doesn't even have to be about your story. Just uh, it, people need to hear you talk more often. Oh, thank you. I don't think that's true. So I appreciate that very much. Um, is my audio okay? Can you all hear me? Yes. Cool. Okay. So I just want to start and say that, you know, I don't think, I think that a president is really important, but I've seen, and I've been around the block enough times to know and understand leadership and organizational culture that one person, unless they make strategic organizational changes, can't change anything. So you're not going to get this person to come in and if they keep the same people they've had and try to lead them, they will fail. I, or they're not going to be able to do anything because when you look at and in, in, in the Department of Defense, you know we do this, we do something called a network analysis, and that's when you look at you know actual physical networks and the nodes of power, you know within those networks and who wields power, you know, and then if you take out a node of power here, take out a node of power there, you know, the network should change and or crumble or at least morph into something else that's more manageable that you can do something with. That's the theory anyway, and it's been proven over and over and over again. And it's also been proven that toxic people, when you take them out of positions, you know, can really change an organizational structure and a culture. Just even just removing one person can help. And I think at USF, you know, for me working you know, in the president's office for a while, working in senior administration, working as a visiting professor, you know, being intimately close with lots of different departments and seen it from that perspective. You know, there are a lot of toxic people. We can talk all day about how that was created and why they're there. I can certainly talk about that, but that's not what I'm here to do. They're, they're there and they need to be removed. So, you know, instead of getting contract extension after contract extension after contract extension, you know, for people who act, act, actively undermine the president and try to stage a coup against the president, not once, but twice, and then botch a... Um, a rollout of you know a major um, college announcement. You know, when that person is given a contract extension, it 
is severely demoralizing for the faculty. And I can speak, you know, as a faculty member there. I'm not currently, but I do have a lot of friends that are still there and they DM me and we talk, you know, all the time and I'm on group chats and things like that. And it is incredibly demoralizing to see toxic people get rewarded. Um, so I think that needs to change. I mean, before you get into any of the marketing or any of the communication or any sort of outreach, you need to clean up in-house and you need to clean the bullies and the toxic people in your own home. And academia is full of them, but USF seems to have a lot more than the traditional university, which is still a toxic system. So I would start there. Um, you know, second thing is aesthetics are really important. If you haven't read the book, Aesthetic Intelligence, I would give that to the president and be like, hey, he or she, go read this because it matters how something looks communicates a brand, but it also communicates an ethos and that matters. So I would challenge every single person who's going to push back on that, say that's superficial, that's bullshit. But anyway, oh, can, I, can I curse? Is that not yeah, Oh, absolutely. You can curse. Oh, okay. That's bullshit. So, I mean, I would I would tell them to, to read that book and read some other articles about the, the power and impact of aesthetics. But also, why don't you spend the weekend at each state university and the private ones, too, while you're at it? Throw them in and spend a weekend. Walk outside on a Friday at four o'clock. And what do you see? And I will promise you one of these things is not like the other. And that matters. And we're not getting the right students. And we're not other students that are going to other universities in the state of Florida. I mean, not just UF and FSU, which we think are our big competitors, but they're not. I mean, other schools that are, are other competitors as well. FAU is doing amazing things. FIU is doing amazing things. And we need to kind of understand what our competitors and our peers do well and not have this narrative of, oh, we're different and we're special and, you know, we're the university of the future. And all if, if you're the university of the future, then you shouldn't be at least fourth in student um, in student uh, profile. Because the student profile was released, I think, yesterday, and consistently we are behind UCF every single year. So if you keep saying, oh, we, we value academics and UCF doesn't, well, that's bullshit because there's their FTIC profile is, is higher than than what we bring in every single year. Students are picking other universities over USF every single year. And that's just a fact. So I think the language of, oh, we're so innovative and we're the university of the future, this is the USF student is different and all of these things, that's great. But we're still extending offers to students that aren't picking us. And I think we need to look at why and we need to look at the students that we have and nurture them and make sure they find a place and make sure that they get involved and they can live out their best lives and give them every opportunity possible. And then we also look at the students that aren't picking us and we look, take a good hard look at why and then make some changes because there are things that other places do better. And I think that we need to have a very frank conversation about where we fall in the system and who our peers really are and who we want our peers to be, because I think there's a contradiction between words and deeds, and that is becoming readily apparent. And people that aren't trained in looking at, I'm uniquely qualified to be able to sniff that out. Let's be real. You know, my background and also my experiences make me uniquely qualified to sniff out some bullshit. But the average bear, you know, on Twitter or on Facebook, or when you meet them in line at Starbucks, you know, they're talking to me too. And they're like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, they're agreeing with pretty much everything in those three articles. And I got a lot of random DMs and a lot of random emails um, saying, 
you know, basically that I, I wrote what they were thinking. And I don't know these people. And these people are not part of the active USF community. So I think that's also very telling. It, you're, you're dead on. There's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of talk about how the, the process of even, you know, becoming a student at USF has been dismantled or just it's completely inefficient for a lot of people uh, even talking with admissions it, just getting to that stage of the process has it's just cumbersome for a lot of folks and it, it's a turnoff to a lot of people getting getting the right people in you know I, I think USF is one of the, one of the, the least diverse university they they they, they love their they love to tout the international student but the, the people of color uh, are, are just kind of getting left behind especially the, the area that USF is in there should be more people of color at USF creating more more diversity it just doesn't seem like USF is taking the the proactive approach and reaching out to the community that they're in and reaching out to Tampa at large, going to to East Tampa, going to the places where they're not, it's just not white people and getting the, the getting them involved and active in making them a choice. So that, that's, that's where a lot of our issues kind of stem from just the, the, the systemic uh, complacency uh, through the, through the entire university that I, I know I'm not the smartest person on this panel. I would never dare think about it, but it just being the stupid, uh, herder. I like football guy. You can see it. And the, the doctors and even Colin, even though you're, you know, old and, and grody and out in Las Vegas, you, you know, as well as anyone, what USF has been, hasn't been able to do over the years. So I, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Colin, on, 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 Matt and Carla's stories and, and your thoughts in general as we kind of hope to move forward from here. Well, I've known Carla my basically my entire adult life, and I've known Matt um, on and off for a while, and I've certainly known Matt's opinions about what's going on for a while. Um, none of what they have been a surprise to me. I think it might come out to a surprise to a lot of people around the USF community um, that there are people that are this unhappy because there has always been this very overt campaign that it's all sunshine and roses. And that has been, if you write anything that is not sunshine and roses, you have someone from USFER calling you and telling you, well, why are you being so negative? And I don't know, that's happened to me countless times over the last 11 years. Um, and by the way, I noticed how Carla and I uh, both do the snap thing because we are both members of Greek life at the University of South Florida. So when we agree with something, even when our mic is muted, we end up like going like this. Um, so I, I'm not surprised here um, about everybody's feelings. What I am surprised at is that we've sort of reached a tipping point and that what y'all did, and, and, Nate, and Nate saw some of the copy that I wrote, but I'm going to put something as well. Uh, I stuck a rough draft in there and I'm going to put my thoughts on but y'all reached a tipping point within the university um, because I've had more people reach out to me over the last two days about what y'all did. And I think sort of like everyone's realized the emperor has no clothes and that they haven't for a while. And that, speaking of emperors, I'm standing outside of the palace right now. Um, I, I'm really glad that, that we're having this conversation because this conversation needs to happen before we hire a president. 
because somebody's got to come in and change the culture. You build a stadium, a stadium would be a great stadium, but culture, but don't change the culture. And the culture's got to change because, you know, when that new stadium's open, one thing nice, do you think that the Greeks are going to be able to have rushed that thing? I mean, it, 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 like, because right now, that's how we do things. And it's just such a basic, simple thing that we pointed out six and seven, eight years ago. Like, hey, let's change that so that everybody goes home. And nobody's ever done it. Well, what in the absolute stone fuck is that? Morrison, you worked at Ole Miss. They would burn the goddamn campus down if that happened. Like, there's no fucking way. And, like, if you're going to act like you're a big Southern football school, then act like a big Southern fucking football school. And I agree. I, I'm over it. And, like, so I I got to a point, and basically the, the gist of my piece, spoiler alert, is um, USF, your, your relationship with USF at this point is what you make. Um, if you don't believe even this university, if they have just burned you too many times, and you want to wash your hands because they failed you, I completely understand. Um, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet, but uh, we're playing the University of Florida on Saturday, and uh, I'm going to be watching the sports book out here. Um, that should tell you where I'm at right now. You know, and I have the choice. I mean, I could come here. I, you know, it's, it is helpful for my job, but I could certainly stay home. Um, I chose to be here because this season, I feel I've never felt more distant from the program um, and its failures. On the other hand, I think we have the best athletic director we've ever had. I'm not giving up on Jeff Scott yet. I think, you know, it is early. I don't like quarterback moves, but I think, you know, setting a guy after 10 football games is probably not the way to go. Um, I see a lot of things in our Olympic sports that are positives. I see a lot of things around campus that I think are positive. Yeah, I could set a school. Look, you see, I might be getting into the Big 12, and that's what all of us care about. But if it came down to the AAU, they'd let UCF out of the room, and they'd probably say, well, USF, you're actually better than several schools that are already at the AAU. And that's, that matters. That's what we're supposed to be here for. That's important. So there's good things and there's bad things. Um, but I, I understand if people want to check out. I totally get it. I don't know what I'm going to do, honestly. I'm not going to be like Jamie, and I'm always going to root for USF. I'm always going to want them to win. But maybe my relationship with the university changes in some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I, uh, however people feel is however people feel. Carl, Matt has 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 the the recent, you know, weeks or you know months. Has it changed what you guys may want to do? I I I've kind of wrestled with this. We we've kind of tossed around, you know, what the future of the blog is going to be be like going forward because i mean the opportunity cost the, the amount of time that we sink into this with uh limited or no return uh for for this you, football you product is... <laughs> hey listen i if if the sb nation settlement uh check is anything i did more time at sb nation than you ever did so so i have a the, the main question I, I think we need to start statute. asking. I was oh. a victim of the statute of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, what is USF's actual vision as an institution? We keep, Carla hit it right on the head. There's always this talk of we're the university of the future, we're the university of the future. But if it's just the university of the future, then we're never actually going to get to our goal. 
What is the goal of the university? If a student comes here, what should be our goal for them other than just a diploma and a job? So let me, okay. So let me just go back and say, you know, I, I think from their perspective and I say their perspective, that's a really sure. broad run. I have a lot of amazing, there's a lot of amazing people who work there. Um, they might not be hundred percent happy, but they work there. They work hard there. Um, but I would say that I'm just, I think the culture of that university is not just to paint, uh, give the best version possible, you know, and give this rosy uh, picture of everything, which I think that's true, but it's actively lying. And I don't like that right. because I'm in, I'm in communication and then, you know, I'm in PR and I media train people. I media train people for the military all the time. And like, you know, Rule number one, tell the truth. You know, we, there's different ways to do that because of legal and things like that. But when I say, you know, women are coming to me or I know women's, the advisors in, in Greek organizations and they're like, yeah, our girls can't go to the first football game. And it's heartbreaking for these girls who are, you know, first year of college, they're all excited and they can't go. And then the Dean of Student Life or Dean of Student Affairs or whoever, you know, comes back and says, no, they can go. And I'm like, no. But there's clearly a disconnect, so let's work on bridging that. And they don't do that. Or then I call them, I call them out and I say, hey, why don't we move recruitment to right before school, like most other schools do. There's some schools in Florida, there's three or four that don't, but the overwhelming majority of schools in Florida um, do do it before school. And then they say it's because they want to preserve diversity and inclusion, and they don't want to be exclusive. And that is confusing to me. And no one can explain to me why. It seems like a talking point without substance, because if it's more money, then that's a different story. If it's time, that's a different story. But no one can seem to, they seem to dismiss our questions. So if it's really to help people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged, I think, you know, we have an honest conversation about that because there are people in organizations that are socioeconomically disadvantaged too. So it doesn't make sense. And I'm really sick of getting answers and getting uh, and getting talking points that don't make sense and from somebody in communication that really drives me absolutely nuts because i know the real answer and then i know what you're telling me and i know the way you're telling it to me and it's just don't insult my intelligence you know and i think people are really really so i think we need to i don't want to say clean house but yeah there needs to be people who are removed or moved from the we need to get people in those roles that want to help you and say, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What are the things that you like? That's what mm. Most of my friends tell me, and I have one that's really, really good, and she tells me that all of her little students do, and you have her happiest plan, and they're all involved in activities like that, and the ones that chose to go to USF go to class, and they go back to their dorm. So whatever they're not I taught uh, international relations and I happen to have a bunch of engineers in my class because it's a gen ed class so this advisor ended up putting a bunch of people who were engineering you know um, in, in my course so I had about out of uh, 50 something I probably had about 30 that were in the college of engineering and you know I asked them what do you do for fun like what clubs are you in are you gonna go to football this weekend are you gonna go to basketball and nothing and they're just like no we have to study and it's like, okay, school comes first. That's awesome. But there are schools with better first time in college profiles. And there are schools with quote unquote smarter students that have more of a student life than we do. So we cannot use that as an excuse. We accept disengaged students and we make them disengaged once they come here. 
and it's a combination of those two things that I see. Now. Um, um, you know, so I just think we're I'm gonna, hold on. Yeah. Here, I'm going to jump in for one second. I'm going to say something, and I'm, my phone's about to die, and I just want to get two things on my yep. chest. And then go. Following up on your point, I went with Andrew Goodrich about five, six years ago. After we had terrible attendance at a football game two games later, and, and Dr. Matt has been good at very well as well. Um, we walked into every Greek life meeting. I said, you need to walk into the Greek life meetings and go get these kids up directly. And we walked in there and, and you know, we walked in multiple sororities. I remember we went to an SET meeting and Goodrich got up in front of the room and said, how many of you guys know there's a football game on Saturday? And about a third to half of the hands in the room went, that's terrifying. There's a university game on the students and you can't get them well. Like, that's crazy. Um, my vision for USF, and what I've always figured it's going to be, is it's going to be a big traditional research school in a metropolitan market, um, but it's also going to serve as a traditional campus where you're going to have kids that live on campus, where you're going to have 300 plus student clubs and activities, where you're going to have a fantastic intramurals program, where you're going to have the big traditional things that you would find at a normal, large institutional, you know, campus with a, you know, large endowment type. That's always been what I thought the vision was, and I also thought the fact that we graduated more minority kids um, at a better rate than any other public school in America is always something to be super proud of. And as Matt said, we also do that from military as well. Um, it's it's that's those are the points of pride at the university. Those things are fantastic, and that's what that is a huge selling point. But the fact that the culture has just completely fallen off a cliff, um, it's terrifying. And and you can build a stadium. <laughs> We need to hire a vice president of culture. I don't, you know, vice presidents are important, and and provosts are important, and there are a lot of academic people that need to go. But somebody needs to be the damn minister of culture for the University of South Florida, and that has been taken away, and and, and man alive, like you know, and it's got to be someone younger than, than all of us. It's got to be someone who's a kid. You know, it's got to be a kid. It's got to be someone who is still tied and still has the passion for this university. It seems what it can be and what it should be and what it is not right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to run out of battery. I love y'all. Um, I'm going to go. But, yeah, just we got to. I'm, real, I'm really proud of you guys for doing what you did this week. Even JB. Um, that's things I didn't always necessarily agree with. But um, his, opinion, his opinion was valid. Um, he has a right to it. I understand it. And the fact that nobody at USF, there are a lot of people at USF that don't consider it valid, they're the fucking problem. All right, I gotta go. All right. I was gonna. Uh, I, was, I was gonna uh, say as, as Colin's heading out, just uh, a lot of things that he did. Right as things were starting to kind of go sideways, and speaking up on the blog, and you know, there were a lot of people who didn't feel like they had anybody who was saying anything. And Colin was really like the first one. Somebody said ambition over tradition. Ugh, oh, I'm not gonna say it. But you know, I think having people speak up. Uh, Colin was really one of the uh, first people to speak up and say, hey, something's wrong here. And, you know, and I kind of looked around and went, yeah, something's really wrong here. And, and so I'm grateful for people like Carla and people like Colin who are on the front line saying, hey, something is wrong and we need to speak up or else things are just going to be worse. So uh, thanks, Colin, and enjoy Vegas. Yeah. I am here. This is what USF does. I am here at Caesars right now with a USF graduate who now lives in Charlotte. And this is ties the university. They bind forever. This place is special. We just got to keep it that way. Indeed.
And Carly, you were you were going to jump in here uh, as well. What were what were your kind of thoughts on, on on Colin, and if you want to expound on that? No, I wanted to remind Colin of the time I think it was three years ago that we went to the Navy game, and the I just want to it's, it's exemplary of the culture though. And I mean, I think I was on the alumni association board of directors at the time, but the. DC alumni and I was friend. You know, I work partly in Washington D.C. for my job, so <laughs> the DC alumni, um, you know, invited me to be to go on their alumni tailgate, and I knew some people, so I was like, okay. So I went to the website and I signed up and I paid my little money, and um, I was coordinating with some people. But I noticed I was getting left left off some emails, and I thought it wasn't a big deal because I was like, oh, they just probably forgot or you know whatever. But um, it turns out I was approached at the alumni tailgate and they were like, oh, are you a spy from the Tampa campus? And I was like, excuse me, as I'm trying to like, you know, do my jello shot or whatever. I'm like, excuse me. And they're like, yeah, we thought you were a spy. So we left you off emails because, you know, this is an unsanctioned tailgate and the alumni association is mad that we're having it. <laughs> and my husband, my husband, you know, went to very good schools and I mean, he just looked at me and he's like, you're on your own kid. Like, I don't even want to do that. Like, I don't know. Dog got problems. Like, I'm not, I, I gotta go. And I can say at the University of Mississippi, they never had unsanctioned tailgates ever. I can't imagine the Alumni Association was angry at people who live in another city for having their own bus to take them to the, to a tailgate. It's like, well, it, it's a big, it's a big world out there. Like, I, if yeah. I don't want to tailgate, I should be able to go to the other one. Or if, you know, once one's sold out, I should be able to go to another one of some of my friends and the fact that they were they said they were angry at them i think just really shows the culture and it's a culture of exclusion and i just was i was really taken aback i thought it was i think it was that it was funny at the time but i'm still kind of mad about it because i think it really exemplifies just a really toxic culture and i i'm you know it's sad it's sad to me because i feel like i try you asked me about my relationship or our relationship with um the university and i mean i'll still give money i will give money to women in leadership and philanthropy all day long i will give money to athletics all day long um you know will i give money to the alumni association i don't know I mean, I started a scholarship there. I chaired the, the Green and Gold Gala, and it was probably the most painful 10 months of my life. I mean, I have I chaired many events in my day, and I have never had such a hard time trying to chair this one. And I mean, it was an active struggle. And, I, you know, I, I got snapped out in meetings by staff, and they never apologized. I got, you know, into almost arguments with people as I was, like, trying to give them money. It was just, it was a very, like, bizarre world kind of uh, organization in it had to do it again i probably wouldn't do it because they fucked it up again you know like i'm sorry and i'm not trying to be a bitch i really am not and i don't even like using that word but i'm not trying to be a total bitch because you know what i'm going to say is i was ne i never saw you as miserable as you were doing that event and I, it was miserable I, it was you were miserable so you were miserable bitch i'm not going to well, they treated me very poorly. Of course, I was miserable. And I felt, you know, and I we raised like 90,000, which is okay. It's not great. But from their 30,000 the year before, it was really good. But I mean, could it have been better? Yes. Could we have raised, you know, 200? Yes, absolutely. If they had just let, you know, me and my co-chair kind of do our thing. 
but you know, 90,000 from 30,000 or 40,000 the year before is pretty damn good. So we'll take it. But you know, the second year I went, it was just kind of like lame again. And then the third year it was this lame, even like weren't lame. So was that, was the third year, was that the, the cash bar at the aquarium? I don't remember. I'm sorry. Was, it, was that, I think that was the one that must've been the one right before the pandemic started. I don't remember. I, they're all running together. I just, they really do. I just remember like not having as fun of a time and like at least 50 people came up to me and said they weren't having as great of a time as when I chaired it. So I'm not sure if it was the year after or two years after. I don't know. I'm sorry. My, my timelines are, are really off. But I mean, I work my ass off and it doesn't seem like anybody appreciates anything. And it's not like I want anyone to be super nice to me because I did that. But I mean, you know, maybe just an acknowledgement like I'm trying to help you. I'm not working against you. I think they treated me like right. I was them the entire time. Like it was just really frustrating and it was really disheartening. So I don't think I'll ever engage that level again because I don't feel like, I don't feel like that's welcome. I don't feel like that behavior is appreciated. I don't feel like it's welcome. And I just am disappointed and I don't want to be disappointed. Like, you know what I mean? If I, I can do other things that will, that don't involve donating my time and money that mm -hmm. will me, you know, or I don't know. I just, it's a very sad situation, but I think what sealed the deal for me was the Navy game when they th the other alumni association thought I was a spy. I mean, they've managed to piss off when I was chair, I was chair of the Chicago alumni association too, for a while. And I mean, people are mad in Chicago, like really mad at they were and some of them in New York were mad. Some people in Raleigh were mad. I mean, like it seems to be a pattern that mm -hmm. I, you are regional. Even Tampa one, I think, was mad at one point. Um, if not, they still are. I'm not really sure. You'd have to ask them. But <laughs> you know, it's it's absurd to me that I can't serve on the alumni board if I don't live within driving distance to alumni board meetings. It's just that's just absurd. Um, or I have to fly in for alumni board meetings. No other school does that. I mean, they're um, at Florida State, at University of Michigan, UCLA, like the people who are on those alumni boards live all over the world. I mean, don't you want successful people that live other places? Like not to say that if you stay in the same city you went to college in that you're not successful, but I mean, if you do move and you do other things and you have an international job or you work in film or you work in advertising in Chicago or law in New York or whatever, fashion in New York or whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean that you should be excluded and treated poorly. That's just that I never understood that. And like right. to actually feel that um, when I went to the uh, Navy tailgate and coming green and gold gala, where I just felt like I was just, it was a miserable experience planning. Um, and they didn't even ask me for money the second year in a row. I had, to, I, mean, I was on their donor list and they never asked me. And I mean, I'm not trying to be, and again, not trying to be a total bitch, but you know, you have a donor list, you probably should ask them again. And if you look at the sponsorships, they're all different. And sometimes they're different year to year. And that's not how you run a development office. You should say, okay, this person gave at the $5,000 level for three years in a row. Let's hit them up for 7,000. Let's see, you know, you're building those relationships and it seems like they're just starting from scratch each time they're reinventing the wheel because they keep burning those bridges yeah and that, it's yep. that i mean that's that's sad and i don't want to i don't want to say that in a way to be mean i'm not trying to be unkind i'm 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 just i mean it is reality if you look at the sponsorships from year to year they are different 
And there's a reason for that. And if I were in charge um, of development, I'd look at that and want to know why. I mean, there might be a perfectly great explanation for it, but I'd want to know why. I agree. Um, the, I think one of the the many through lines that all three stories, you know, between Matt, yourself, and Jamie's uh, stories this week was the lack of a continuity within the alumni association. And, you know, it, it, Matt, you mentioned it earlier, if you're, if you're not in the three counties here, uh, you know, around Tampa Bay, they don't care. And that's, mm-hmm. that seems to be an issue. I'm sure uh, people, you know, watching and, and listening, they've probably felt the same way. If you, if you are not in the, the vicinity, basically, if you are not staring them directly in the face with a check in hand, you, you don't exist. And that, that's and, really tough. Right. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to me was, you know, Carla's much more knowledgeable about uh, the inner workings of the Alumni Association. But from my perspective, I've never seen an organization where it's harder to donate money, where it seems like it's the goal for them to get money. Um, You know, you see things at the University of Mississippi, and now I'm at Notre Dame, and you see how it's run there. And they build the relationships. They they come to me. I'm not a, I'm not tenured at Notre Dame and they care about my opinion and I don't feel any pressure. I don't fear any fear of retribution or any of that stuff. And every time I write something like this on the blog, I get dozens of messages on Facebook or Twitter of people saying, oh, this is my experience with the Alumni Association. It was awful. They treated me like I've heard stories like Carla's just over and over and over again. How does this keep happening? You know, at a place that has such great potential. Every both of you mentioned uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, this is the talent in the area. These are the people who are going to contribute to the growth of Tampa and then the growth of the United States. And if you're not empowering them, you're wasting talent. And yeah. it's just take you know, reach out to the community, and the money is reflective of you not building those relationships and not taking advantage of the talent in the area. So uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off, Carla. You're, you're more knowledgeable about the Alumni Association. But it just makes me so mad that people just feel not only disengaged, but actively driven away for no reason. For no reason. When you are in meetings and when you sit as a board member or you sit as a guest, and I've been both, it is very clear. Like it is a show. It is performance. They are going to, you're going to sit there for that board meeting for an hour and a half. They're going to talk about how great they are, how amazing, what amazing things they're doing. You can ask some questions and if they're too hard, you get dirty looks and feel really ostracized and no one talks to you on the way to the parking lot. And, you know, you just kind of feel like, and I've been on boards before and I've been on both types of boards, you know, types of boards that are kind of performative that, you know, they just want you there because you're cutting a check and then you keep your mouth shut. And then I've been on boards where it's like, you really hands on. And I, so I understand models. I'm not trying to say that one is necessarily better than the other, but okay. So if you're going to have the model where I shut up in color, then at least hit me up for money when you need, when you're supposed to, and you don't even do that. So it just, I don't know. And I just, I'm, I'm just really, really sick of the, I don't know. It's just the arrogance is just really, it's just really horrible. And I, I, and every time I say that I get DMS, I get, you know, emails of people being like, oh my gosh, you are so right. I felt so disrespected or I felt so this or I felt so that. And I just, I just, it's sad to me that it's, that it's able to continue, but if you can't prove a negative, so if you drive people away and the only people left are going to be telling you how great you are, then, 
of course you're going to be living in the spot licking ice cream cone kind of situation but i guess i want to put that out there to people who are listening because i see people commenting and, and things like that like do y'all think this is normal i mean have you been to other schools have you are you a member of other alumni associations whether it's you know leadership florida or leadership atlanta you know wherever you live you know this isn't normal to me and I just kind of want to get other people's opinions too. Like if I, if this is the way it's supposed to be, if this is the norm and not the exception, then I'll, I'll shut up and color and I'll, I'll sit this one out. I'll write my check and I will, you will not hear from me, but this doesn't seem to be normal and it doesn't seem to be productive and it doesn't seem to be helpful for, you know, the people all over the world that feel disengaged. We have alumni that are angry who live in China, by the way, a friend of mine lives in China and she, you know, sent me a note. And I'm like, that's really hard to do. Like, you're pissing off people in Shanghai. That's like, kind of hard. Piss off people tomorrow. You haven't even gotten there yet, and you're already pissing them off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's that's just uh, Matt. You you mentioned waste, wasting potential, and I think that may be USF's uh, actual motto instead of ambition over tradition. It's <laughs> USF, a history of wasting potential. And I, I want to quickly pivot with both of you still on here. Uh, to to the news today, um, you know, USF had the groundbreaking. They had the shovels in the in the ground. Uh, we're going to get that indoor uh, performance center, that twenty two million dollar performance center. And uh, Michael Kelly did say that there's already ten to twelve million uh, set aside for uh, phase two of the project. Um, but I mean, talk about you know kind of overshadowing the, the the thing that's actually going to be happening uh will weatherford uh basically proclaims usf's going to have a on-campus stadium in the future and uh, you know talking to some folks uh that are in the know there is a plan in place mm -hmm. they wouldn't announce this uh if they didn't have a plan already i assure you uh will weatherford's not going to stick his neck out like this, if there's not a plan in place, uh, no politician would ever do be this declarative uh, ever unless they know that there's something of substance behind it. Uh, no matter if it's minuscule or not, there's some substance behind it. And I mentioned on Twitter uh, today, typically, I say typically because at USF, nothing is ever truly typical. Typically, you don't announce these sort of things unless someone has already given you money toward this thing. And that that's the, the the grain of hope that i want uh, to to take from this there's likely some money already being put aside for this but the the, the question i have for both of you um they've already they've clearly had this planned out for a while they were going to announce it today regardless but does this temper or change your outlook uh thoughts feelings on you know what you guys wrote this week about maybe, you know, people are steering a rudderless ship. Is there any hope for you? I, I know, Carla, I know you're laughing and I understand uh, where you're coming from and I'm trying to be as objective and uh, uh, all sides of the, the coin here. Uh, but is, is there anything that gives you guys hope from this? I'm not saying you change your mind on everything, but is there something of substance for you guys as, as we move forward from this? Do you want to go first? Uh, uh, sure, I'll go ahead. Um, from my perspective, you know, I talking to the people, I mean, I heard the same things that there's actually some kind of plan in place. Um, 
it's something that was needed considering everything that's going on with conference realignment. Um, the big thing is that the news about ever since Oklahoma and Texas announced their move to the SEC, the question was, well, what are we going to do? And it felt for a long time that no one had said anything and no one had announced a plan. And it is fair for people to hear uh, Will Weatherford's announcement and possess a healthy amount of skepticism as to whether it will be done and more importantly, done correctly in a fiduciarily responsible way. You know, we don't need a bounce house. We don't need a bounce house. I would rather not have a stadium than have a bounce house. And if, the problem with the bounce house isn't just the fact that the stadium is terrible. It's the fact that it was fiduciarily irresponsible and we have to do things the right way. And I'm sincerely hopeful that, you know, it's going to be done the right way, but benefit of the doubt uh, can't be earned based on 15 plus years of past precedent. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm standing right now. I hope I am proven wrong. I hope I am proven wrong, but I will, I possess a healthy, healthy amount of skepticism. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not, I look, I think that, do you need an on-campus stadium? Absolutely. Do I think you should build one? Absolutely. Am I going to be excited for something that you should have done when I was in college and it was on the 10 year plan? Like, what do you want a cookie? You were supposed to do this 20 years ago. Hmm. So I guess I'm like, I mean, I'm not going to applaud you for being late to the party. I'm going to be happy that you kind of realize this now happened to be on a day where people were really upset and it was a buildup to, uh, to the announcement. And you kind of overshadowed all the people who worked really hard on the indoor practice or performance, whatever the hell it's called, facility. So you kind of took their thunder, which would really piss me off if I was on that team. Yeah. I mean because you single-handedly announced something that took all the news away for probably months and months of hard work, but whatever. I don't work there. So who cares? Maybe they're cool with it. Shout but, out Abby Ritter. Shout yeah. out Abby Ritter. And we must protect Abby and Michael Kelly at all costs. Yes. Okay? Like I will personally fundraise for their salaries because I love them so much. They're the nicest, most genuine, most wonderful people. And athletics is great. Athletics I think is doing really well. Like I, my issues at, are not at all with athletics. Like, at all. They never have been, you know, they're with people in the Patel building. They're with people, you know, in the Dean's offices, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with a lot of people and it just, it is, it just makes me really sad. Do I think an on-campus stadium is a good thing? Sure. Do I think it needs to be done right? Absolutely. Does there need to be like a, a ballroom and an event space, a convention center in there? Absolutely need more of that on campus. Trust me. I know we definitely need it. You know, does it need to be really well built? Sure. You know, does it, do we also need a prettier campus? Yes. Do we need to spend a million dollars on a little park with a fountain, like in front of the library? I think that costs a million dollars. Like, no, you know, do we need to probably build new Greek housing and have the fraternities and sororities fundraise and do capital campaigns as a group and do that for their own stuff? Absolutely. But do we need to keep funding these like crack house looking Greek housing? Absolutely not. I don't care how much money they put in to renovate them. Like we don't need those. You know, we can turn those, we can level those. We can turn those into living learning communities if they are renovated. But right now, like they're just not serving a purpose. They're not attractive. They don't have spaces for alumni to park or alumni to park. They're not inclusive. They're kind of walled off from the rest of the university. I mean, it just... 
it, it not only looks bad, but it's just not an inclusive space. So you can't have, what I'm saying is you can't have one without the other. You can't have an on-campus stadium without great student life and a great student culture. So you have to build the right dorms and you have to build them in a way like urban planning style that encourages walkability. You have to make the area safer. And before anyone comes out after me for telling me that USF is a very safe space, I know that I was told not to wear my engagement ring when I worked there at the president's office because somebody was gonna come and like rob me in the parking lot. I was told that by multiple people. And I knew a woman who was punched because some, some like kids or whatever decided to steal her iPhone and punched her in the face as she was walking to her car at four o'clock on like a Thursday. So it's, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't feel unsafe other places. I feel unsafe walking around that campus after I'm teaching at nine o'clock, having to walk all the way across to the Sun Dome. I feel unsafe. And it's not because it's economically um, disadvantaged. It's because it's an unsafe campus. Do I feel unsafe walking from Soho to my house? Yeah, sometimes I do that. I do feel unsafe too. So it's not a question of it being, you know, a socioeconomically deprived area. It's a question of it just being, you know, unsafe and in a in a, in a kind of a hot spot where some things happen. So we need to clean that up 100% in terms of making it safer. We need to work with the local community to make sure these little mom and pop places are supported and they feel loved and they don't feel gentrified. You know, we there's so many languages being spoken in, in um, around like Fowler, Fletcher Avenue. I think it was like 64 languages or something insane. You know, that's, diversity is a strength. You know, they're a, a huge immigrant population and we need to empower them and help them not ignore that they exist and just, you know, pretend that everything's fine because everything's not fine. Right. So I think there needs to be a, uh, there needs to be an effort to work with the community. And before anyone comes out after me saying, look what people are doing and here's the office of community involvement and here's this and here's that I am very well aware and I've worked with them before. And I'm, I mean, I'm more interested in mass results on a mass scale measurable results you know, so that the campus and the area and everything is uplifted. And, you know, we really do circle in our own backyard as well as pulling from, you know, the best and the brightest across the country. And I think you can do that. What, it's not pie. One doesn't have to be sacrificed for the other. So if you build a stadium, you gotta do some other things too. And just because you say that you build a stadium, doesn't mean I'm gonna be super excited because you should have done that 20 years ago. So go do it, do it right. And, you know, I'll be more than happy to give you money. I'll be more than happy to lead a campaign. I'll be more than happy to lead a 20 year gift or 20 year gift from a class of 2003. You know, I work so hard for you, but you have to do it right. And you gotta do it while respecting the community and having a vision and, you know, looking at best practices from other places and don't lie to me. Probably that's the biggest thing, like don't. <laughs> Uh, hey, Nate, can I make one quick follow-up to, to yeah, Carla? Yeah, absolutely. So Carla hit on so many key points. And the thing about the relationship with USF and the alumni and the community is about perception. We know that there's a lot of good people working at USF. It's why we're being vocal. It's why we care. We love the university. We love a lot of people that work there. You know, we talked about Michael Kelly and Abby Ritter. You know, we, there's a lot of people we love working there. But the reality is the perception of the relationship between the university and the community is poor. And regardless of whether or not you're like, well, you know, we're trying this and we're trying that, that's all well and good. 
but you have to recognize that that's how people perceive you. And if you don't address the things that are perceived about you, it doesn't matter what little things you do. Or even if you say, well, hey, we've got a campus stadium now. Well, too many people don't want to go right now. You have to give people a reason to want to go to the campus before they want to go watch the football team. The foot, I mean, we remember when uh, Willie Taggart was here and they went 11 and two and there weren't that many people in the stands. It didn't have anything to do with the football talent. It had a lot more to do with the relationship between the university and the community. And you know how that gets done, you know, finding these power nexuses and making sure you know, the power nodes and finding the right people, putting the right people in the right places, however it needs to get done, you have to recognize that kind of perception. And if that's not going to happen, then there's nothing that one or two or three people can do. Agreed. Uh, I want to, I want to thank you both for, for your great stories uh, this week on the daily stampede. Again, make sure you guys check them out. They were fantastic. And for, for coming on and taking some time uh, to, to speak with me, I, I, I truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll have this up, um, you know, probably tomorrow. I think we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Florida game. Um, but I want to, I want to thank Carla and, and, and Matt here for, for hopping on. And, and you guys are, are truly uh, treasures and uh, relieved of, of your, of your uh, duties tonight. Uh, you guys did fantastic. If you want to stick, stay on as uh, Seth Vito and myself kind of break down this Florida game by all means. Uh, but you guys, uh, I really appreciate it. If you just want to become an audience member and just hang out, you you guys are more than welcome. But I, I truly, truly appreciate both of you uh, jumping on in and discussing uh, the the most important thing that's going on right now at, at USF is, you know, changing the culture. And this is, this is an important step. And I know a lot of people on Fowler Avenue heard, heard you guys this week. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I just want to add one more thing. It was a really good culture. I feel like it was, I mean, I made amazing friends and I had amazing memories. It was really mm-hmm. fun. And I had the time of my life in college and it was a really great culture. And, you know, I hope that it can get back there again because I really love, I just love the memories I had and the people who work there are really great. And I think they're trying really, really hard. And I just, I don't know. I just, I hope that we can get some of that mojo back. Me too. And Nate, thank you for everything that you and uh, everybody at the, at the blog does and, uh, it's great. And I think you all do a great thing. I'm, I'm going to hang around for a little bit because, you know, Seth's killing it with everything it does with the analysis of the games. And yeah, I, I, I'm the type of person who really struggled to fit in when I was a kid and the Navy and USF were like the first two places I really felt like I fit in as a person. And I want so many people to have that same experience that I did and that Carla did and Nate that you're having and yeah, I, anything that we can do to make that happen. It's why I, I felt compelled to speak up. So thank you for the uh, platform. And uh, I'm going to shut up and let you all talk football. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Make USF fun again. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Carla. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you. I'll stick around. I just don't know how to do that. Do I just? Perfect. All right. Well, welcome to the, I guess the, I don't know, the fun part. 
of the the podcast tonight. The real, um, the real important stuff. Okay? The real, the okay. real, real important stuff. Um, man, USF Florida, the the day of reckoning. Some would say, as a uh, USF put on a T-shirt in 2010. Um, <laughs> as you see, Seth is conflicted. Very, very conflicted. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got Seth Varnador of uh, Alligator Army, I guess, uh, joining us on the pod, on the pod tonight as well. Uh, he's a hybrid, a, truly a truly a bull gator hybrid. Um, Seth, how many gators have to be out with COVID before USF can win this game? Oh. Hmm. I'd say probably a good amount of linemen would probably be helpful. Um, unfortunately for USF, I don't think that's uh, an issue that's been popping up there. I know it's popping up a little bit in Georgia, but yeah, I think I think up front that would help a little bit. But uh, sadly, I don't think it's going to come to pass. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I think uh, USF is a 29-point underdog. Uh, the last time I checked, uh, can USF cover the spread this week? Uh, we thought the line was a little weird last week, and uh, I, I guess it was weird in the in the wrong ways uh, <laughs> for for most folk. Uh, that 45 nothing uh, blowout was was nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Florida did have their struggles against uh, Johnny Ford and, and and Willie Taggart and the FAU Owls. Uh, Seth, what what can we expect from Florida? Uh, they've got their own quarterback issues ahead, but uh, let's kind of focus on their on their defense. What what do the Gators do really well that's going to just piss off USF fans for sixty minutes? They're really good up front. They're probably one of the top defensive lines in the SEC, I'd imagine. Um, they're going to be up in that top group along with your Georgias and your Alabamas. Um, so I think that's probably their strength is up front on defense. They've got some really good uh, pass rushers. They got some – I think they have three transfers that are all graduate students or uh, super seniors. So they, they got some grown men from uh, Penn State, two from Auburn on the defensive line in the middle and then a bunch of guys that can rush off the edge. So they're probably best there. A little bit of inexperience in the back end. You've got one corner, Kyrie Elam. He's a really good player. He's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. On the other side, you've got guys that haven't played very much. So one corner spot still kind of up for grabs. They played pretty well. Avery Helm was the kid that started there last week. He played up pretty well. He got beat a couple times but didn't have balls completed on him. Um, but th- th- I think – It'll be interesting to see how they play USF. I thought at times against FAU they were not really aggressive, and then they started to dial it up a little bit more as the game went on and kind of squeeze the life out of the game. They did not give up an explosive play in the first half to FAU. They were content to let them dink and dunk, and then once they started to get a couple first downs, they'd close it out. I think they'll score a touchdown because I think one thing Florida does is that I think they're going to take their foot off the gas and – um, if you're looking for a cover, I think you might get a backdoor cover. Same with FAU last week. They pretty much held them down all game, put some young guys in. So they scored two touchdowns at the end of the game. So uh, it could be could see something similar this week. I'll awesome. take that as a positive. <laughs> awesome stuff there. Uh, 
So on on the flip side, USF defensively, um, they got gashed pretty hard on the ground uh, at NC State last week. Uh, if you look at what Florida did on the ground last week uh, against uh, FAU, um, just a, a pedestrian 400 yards on the ground at uh, 8.7 yards per carry. Uh, man, talk about your mismatches here. I mean, obviously the three-line front didn't really work too well uh, at NC State. Uh, They said that they practiced those four-man fronts, and we didn't really see it uh, last week. Do you think maybe they they bring it out this week and try to get some bigger bodies uh, up front to to try to stop this run? I don't know. You could see that, but Florida has been pretty – um, in their first game, there were a lot of just 11 personnel. So just one tight end, one back, three receivers was their most used. I think it was like over 80% of the time they were in that personnel grouping. I wrote about that today at Alligator Army. Um, so that's not as – you don't – if they were going to double tight end a lot, you might see maybe more forefront and or, or just you might change the front up a little bit. But I think that 11 personnel – you you may see something similar to what they what they played against NC State, and I thought they played well early. And we should talk about that last night on the film room. the The defensive line played all right early, and then they got tired. Well, Florida is going to try to go up tempo. They showed that in their first game, a little more tempo than they had last year. A lot of uh, in the first game, they did a lot of funky formations where they put four guys to the side, like we saw USF do on offense as well. Then a lot of that make you. And couple that with tempo, make you go out and cover that, and then you leave a lighter box for the run game, or if you don't cover it, they throw it out real quick. So that's going to be – the USF offense is going to have to hold the ball a little bit here um, like they were not able to do at North Carolina State. If they're unable to do that, the tempo is going to wear those guys out, and then Florida will start to lean on them, and then I think just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball as the game goes on. Uh, I gotcha. Uh, for for the Bulls offensively in, in the passing game, um, you, you mentioned they're they're pretty young uh, on the back end there. USF was able to get guys open uh, last Thursday, and uh, I, I don't I don't want to be too presumptuous to think that NC State is actually truly better than Florida, but a lot of uh, I mean a lot of people are are thinking maybe NC State was better than Florida. Um, can can no. these wide receivers create some separation, uh, you know, against these young guys to at least maybe give Kate a chance, uh, or Timmy, whoever, uh, you know, who whichever quarterback tickles the coach's fancy that particular drive. Yeah, I think it will depend on how, like I said, how Florida wants to play it. There were times where early on they they kind of were mixing some things up coverage wise, and they let some shorter throws go, and they let uh, Nikosi Perry. He, his stat line was not terrible if you go back and look at it, but it wasn't a, they didn't allow any trunk plays. So maybe though they might let their short throws go again and let Fortin get in a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, but as the game went on, they started to kind of tighten those up, play a little bit more press on the outside and then play kind of the inside with the safeties off. And so really taking away the outside receiver and then playing almost bracketing the inside guys. So it'll kind of depend, I think on, on what they want to do. I think initially they're going to want to, make sure there's no explosive play. So they might play a little bit more um, off, but, but you know, who knows they, they've shown to be really aggressive in the past. So I think you were going to see early how they, how they want to play you. Do they want to come up and play aggressively and just say, whatever, we're going to play man. We're going to load the box. Good luck. Hit some shots. 
then 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 you you got to make some plays, or, or are they going to back off and say, yeah, we'll give you the short stuff. You're not going to be able to do it all the way down the field. So I'm not quite sure how they want to play him, but I think you'll know early on in the game. You'll you'll be able to tell the first drive are they going to play aggressive and try to and try to create some havoc, but possibly open themselves up to some big plays, or are they going to play more conservative and make USF drive the ball on them? That's what they seemed like they wanted to do to FAU last week, and it, it worked for the the most part i know i know third and third and grantham's been a uh kind of a, a rallying cry i know he likes to go kind of berserker uh, on third downs with his his blitz packages uh is, is there a chance that maybe usf can can sneak a couple deep ones or just i i think i'm kind of grasping at straws here some sort of hope for this game uh for the bulls and and for the bulls fan base here yeah i think i think you have chances fau had a chance early on in the game i think the 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 db was close but they they uh motioned johnny ford out of the backfield had him run a go route he kind of got a step on the florida defensive back and he's playing man coverage uh the throw was a little long the defensive back was pretty tight coverage but he had a step on him a better ball maybe he 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 scores there beats him um if they play aggressive you're going to have the ability to take shots if you can protect that's the other part of it though to take these shots you have to protect up front and now maybe you have to commit more people to protection so you don't get as many guys out in the route because they're really good up front if you don't chip some of these guys off the end with the back i don't know how the tackles are going to hold up in one-on-one so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit they can use that really good um pass rush to kind of get you out of maybe taking those shots because they're going to come after you pretty hard. I gotcha. And uh, I wanted to kind of, this is the interesting part of Florida uh, right now is their quarterback situation. Um, they, they have two pretty exciting players that I think the, the coaching staff really believes in uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that run uh, where he juked, like three dudes and then hurdled a guy. Uh, please go check it out. Uh, it, it, just a truly incredible, like just a football play. And him and Emory Jones split in time. Uh, how how does the the coaching set? How does USF kind of prepare for that? I know Jeff Scott said you know they're similar skill sets, but I don't think uh, Emory Jones. What I don't think he's six three two fifty like Anthony Richardson is. No, and I, I was gonna say I don't I don't know if Jones is faster either. Anthony Richardson's kind of a unique freak of nature that could probably be playing like Russian too, like he, like and be a high draft pick there. He's super twitchy. We talked about it last night. I think he ran like over twenty miles an hour, was tracked at on his long run, which was top five in the country, and everybody else that was on it was weighs like one hundred ninety pounds or less, and he's on there like two forty. He he's a unique unique freak of nature. Um, but Emory Jones is a pretty strong runner himself. What will be interesting to see how they play it. So they had a plan going into the game that, and they told the broadcasters this and the broadcaster talked about it before it even happened. Dan Mullen said, Anthony Richardson is coming in the third series of the game, no matter what happens. They just, he, he did that with Emory too in the past when Trask, he'd, he'd say he's coming in this drive, no matter what. Sometimes he'd put him into a competitive game. Sometimes Florida was up and it didn't really matter. But he likes to kind of he likes to go ahead and kind of script it out beforehand. 
Um, Emory played well before Anthony Richardson came in. Richardson came in. Emory kind of took a little bit of a dive. I think he started to press a little bit and try to make some big plays. Um, and then that's when he started playing poorly. So we'll see if they kind of t- – FAU did a similar thing that Florida did. They kind of wanted to take away the explosive pass play, make Florida dink and dunk it down the field, and just see if they would do that. And Florida was content to do that in the first two drives, went down the field and scored. Third drive, they're going down the field again. Uh, Richardson gets his helmet pulled off. Emory comes in, tries to force in a tight window in the red zone, gets picked. Um, then kind of similar, wouldn't take, wouldn't just take what they gave him. When they did that, they went down the field and scored. When they didn't, they had trouble on offense. So we'll see how patient they stay, and if USF kind of makes them do makes them stay patient like FAU did. Uh, yeah, and you know, Eric, uh, I was just about to bring that up. You know, uh, any thoughts that US, USF goes two tight ends to chip the ends? Um, I believe it was Mitch Brinkman uh, who said in his his uh, media session, I think it was yesterday, kind of discussing that, that there was some two tight end sets that they just didn't really get to uh, last week um, with with Chris Carter and, and Gunnar Greenwald. They just it just never came to fruition. I think we we even talked about the tight ends uh, last night, um, Seth, about what they could uh, potentially do. And we saw Chris Carter with like a killer block on a on right. play in the game, just like driving his dude ten yards downfield. Uh, yeah, so they they've got some guys that can play. The problem when you do that is, you know, unless you've been now they say they've been working on it, so it, it could be a part of their offense they just didn't get to maybe. Um, but if, if you go two tight ends and just want to chip, that'll help your pass protection. But now you're you're getting less guys out in the route, uh, getting less guys free released out in the route. Um, I don't know if that's a way they could go, but all their run game stuff you could do with tight with two with double tights. Um, you could it could help you a little bit. Um, FAU did some double tight stuff. They used them both as wings and did a couple things. So they'll have some film to see how Florida lines up to that personnel grouping a little bit. But I don't know how much of an advantage it gives them. It would help with the pass rush. So it could help them kind of um, with that. And then also using the big running back, Mangum. I'm assuming that's kind of they brought him in for that kind of pass protection, big body role. He's going right. to help with that too. Right. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to uh, someone uh, with, with USF ties uh, earlier tonight and they just basically asked, you know, what's up with Kelly Joyner? What's up with Brian Petit? Why aren't they getting more run? We kind of talked about it in in the film room last night, but I mean, those are two guys who you should probably want to get involved with early and often uh, against Florida just to, maybe a change of pace try to put some speed on speed uh you know i know florida's defense is really fast but those guys are are you know fast as well try to create some sort of mismatch or scheme them open at some point yeah and and last year they they were improved uh, last week but last year florida really struggled with tackling so i i think get those guys in space make them prove that they've improved in that area fau um didn't really do that. They got Johnny Johnny Ford had an okay game. He didn't do anything special. I mean, if you if you watch uh, how he was talking after every play, you may have thought something different. But he he played he played a pretty decent game, but nothing no game breaking plays, nothing huge. Um, but he was able to kind of find some holes and some creases, get lost behind some of their linemen for some runs, and that's kind of what those guys did well last year in um, Batie. 
and Joiner, especially when you pull those guards, those guys get lost a little bit and then they bam, they spit out. Uh, and you, you don't even see them coming. They're going full speed. It makes it tough to handle. So I, I'm a big proponent of those guys. I like them. I like, you know, I'm all about getting explosive players the ball and space as much as you can do that, and good things will happen. So, yeah, put your most explosive guys on the field, get them the ball in space, and let them kind of go to work. Agreed. And, you know, I'll, we'll kind of wrap this up. It's been a uh, pretty eventful uh, podcast already, proudly presented by Irish 31. Um, uh, Kate Fortin, does he see through the first half? With that, you know, with the caveat, obviously, with injuries and, you know, Timmy McLean's obviously going to have his packages and stuff, but will he see through the first half as the starting quarterback, quote unquote? Yeah, I don't know if you can answer that based on, you know, what we've heard this week. So I, I would imagine that uh, he'll get the start. They'll probably have a playing time to bring in McLean. Um, it seemed like they had that last week and they kind of jumped the gun on it. They just felt like they needed to go to it quicker than normal or quicker than they anticipated. So maybe they have that something earlier because like, like Florida did, they kind of went to the third series. They had a pretty good idea how FAU was going to play them. And then you put this other package in early and now you can see, are they going to play this any differently? And if they are, well, maybe I got some advantages in the, with this look, or if they do play it differently, well, maybe that provides me an advantage as well. So, um, so that's kind of uh, how you can kind of look at that. I don't. I so hopefully I think if they do play McLean, it's early, and and then you can kind of get a look at uh, what uh, Florida, how Florida is going to play him because I'd imagine it'll be a little bit different than how they play Fortin. But you know, it's hard to answer if Fortin is going to be the guy to make it through. I would have told you 100 percent yes last week before the game, and it didn't uh, didn't turn out that way. So. <laughs> I agree. Uh, this prop question here: um, Will USF score more punt? Or excuse me, will they score more points than Andrew Stokes has punts? Yes. What would the line be for you to be like? Ah, maybe not. Like, like, like se- over seven? over under seven and a half, six and a half. Yeah, I think they'll score. I think they'll score a touchdown. It's hard to get shut out two games in a row. But if any team could do it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you Not can still you, you can still turn the ball over too. So that's that's also true. Um, I think they'll play better. Um, I think Florida's. I, I the 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 NC State being better than Florida thing I think is crazy. Um, not just because I cover Florida as well, but it, when you look at the talent, here, I'll I'll throw up the talent real quick, um, so we can all kind of see what that looks like. It's not even close. Florida is the top 10 team in terms of talent, even in the 24 seven composite, which adds in, um, you know, that doesn't quite, that adds changes the ratings based on transfers. So some guys were like a 99 coming out of high school and maybe they're only a 90 as after they transferred, they're still seventh in the composite. North Carolina is 32nd or North Carolina state rather is 32nd. Florida is more talented. Now I think it's, is it possible North Carolina state ends with a better record than Florida? I think that is possible depending on what Florida gets at quarterback. But to say they're a better team, I don't I don't think that's accurate. Awesome. So, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always next week uh, if, with FAMU coming into town uh, before things really kind of go off the rails. Um, 
I mean, this has been this has been enlightening. I think this has been a, a pretty important podcast. I think I, we kind of made sure that we really talked about football last night because I, I think we all kind of knew. Yeah, we were uh, for an hour and a half last night, I think. So. Yeah, so I, I think we knew coming into today it was going to be more about what we discussed earlier in the podcast and you know i would be remiss to make sure that everybody does um listen to that part oh let's see oh man <laughs> we, we talked about this dude last night you what came in at like 480 or something like they that they said on the broadcast 480 so basically you could throw two two of uh what is it tremel through two Tremel Logans out there and the, the scales will still be tipping towards that guy. Oh my gosh. How many Brian Batiz is that? Oh, that's at least three Batiz. Three Batiz. That's gotta be a trade. <laughs> and like maybe, maybe four Spencer Schraders, three, yeah. 3.75 Spencer Schraders. That's a quad Schrader if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up with our our, our predictions here. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, the line's twenty nine. I think SP Plus has uh, Florida win like forty two to thirteen or something like something like that. That seems pretty in line. I, I mean, if NC State put up forty five, I, I can't imagine a world where Florida doesn't put up at least a fifty burger. I'm going to go 55-14 Florida. Um, probably a garbage time touchdown for USF or, or two. Yeah. One thing to remember about this game, Florida plays Alabama next week. Trap game. So, yeah. So, there's there's that element. And then how much are they going to – like, once – if they get up, how much are they going to really want to just pour it on? Uh, I don't know. Some people would tell you they're better quarterbacks than backup. So, he, when he comes in the game, they think maybe they'll be better. I don't know about that. Um, I was thinking – I've been thinking 41-13, something like that. Uh, I think a late touchdown by USF. Um, this Florida team, I want to see more from their offense before I before I think they're going to go out and score a, two, a ton. But I think they can kind of get in that 40 range, which is quite a bit. But I think 41-13, something like that, is, is possible. But you that's a cover. <laughs> that's a big cover. That's right a cover there. right there. Man, I got fooled with the cover last week. Um, I I was thinking forty five ten. Think you're right. Some garbage time points, but I mean, like uh, these dudes are going to run for a bunch, and that's probably all they're going to end up needing. Yeah, the 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 I they one thing that uh, I say one thing about a hundred different things, but <laughs> but the, Florida's got a, their passing game was terrible against FAU. They didn't really try to do it a lot, but that was not good. That they're gonna have to be able to throw the ball to beat Alabama. I don't think they're like saving all their throws for Alabama. They got to work on it, you know. So I think you'll see them try to throw maybe early, and if they're not on, maybe USF hangs around the game a little bit longer. Um, but they've got to get that fixed before they play Alabama because Alabama will crush them if they're one dimensional because they're not good enough up front to just roll Alabama. That's not gonna happen. So. Right. God, Seth, you you had a comment, in, I think it was in Slack on Saturday, uh, when Alabama hit the fifty-six yard field goal, uh, talking about the Death Star. What was it? Was the they they fixed, they they fixed the exhaust port and the Death Star? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, so well, Florida's gonna have to <laughs> Florida's gonna have to be uh, on the on their A game next weekend. You know, maybe we catch them sleeping. Who was was it? Georgia State 
Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern that beat the must was it must champ team. Yeah. And they didn't complete a pass. So I mean there, <laughs> there is a way. They they ran the triple though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to running the triple from now on. Imagine, imagine the USF opens would, that brand new on-campus stadium, and their offense is the triple option. That'd be kind of cool. No, I, awesome. triple option with Florida athletes would be interesting. It'll be. It Georgia always, Tech, Georgia Tech tried to do it. I mean, it always worked really well on NCAA. You just make USF a triple option team and just recruit Florida. You get a lot of speed. You get those they, athletes who actually turn into fullbacks, and you're good. They made they overpowered the option in that game like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, but, uh, but it was Sp- great. It was great. Yeah, a spread flex read option. That's all you needed, and just flip the flip the the option. That's all you needed to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's gonna be a rough one. I do want to get. Uh, what do you guys think about? I didn't really hear your thoughts, Nathan, on and Vito on the on-campus stadium stuff and the groundbreaking stuff. How big of a deal is that? Um, I did think it was interesting. I agree that they immediately kind of overshadowed something tangible for something that's out of the distance, but it also shows a like you put your name on it in public. That shows some type of, I would imagine some type of commitment to it. What do you, what are you guys thinking on that? Vito? I mean the I mean the groundbreaking, the shovels, the photo op, getting it ready to go. That's I mean monumental and huge. It feels like right now too a little too late, but it's something that needs to happen. And it it happening is still the biggest thing that happened today. I, I feel like that came out of nowhere with the OC on campus stadium. But I'll tell you what, it, it, people that I was working with were talking about it. They saw the article and it started creating buzz. So I guess that's what you want to do there. Um, I I'm kind of a wait and see kind of guy. Believe it when I see it, but it seems like there's at least something in the background that we haven't seen behind the curtains. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I mean, as, as right now you kind of know what you need to do uh, for realignment and for creating a better program. And really it's what's on the field currently, but having something to point uh, recruits to is a, a good step in the right direction. Um, I'm curious more information on this OCS stuff. Cause Felt like that came out of nowhere. No one really talked about it for a long time. Now, all of a sudden, out in the open, Board of Trustees is now saying it, putting their name on it. We don't even have a president yet. <laughs> and they also right. talked about, like, we're going to be rolling out plans and things like that. They made it seem like there was some type of – this is not this is not something that just came up recently. This is something they've been working on in it's, the background for a while. Yeah, it's been, it's been working on uh, for, for a little bit. Um I mean, I think they could have taken two days in the news cycle if they'd waited, but I get, you know, how how often are you going to have everybody in the same room again? And, you know, maybe, you know, schedules didn't align. So you you had to kill two birds with one stone and uh, you you had to, you know, shoot your shot when you when you did have it. Um, Twitter also did have a meltdown over the past uh, few uh, past week for the most part. So maybe it was just, hey, let's hit him with the buckshot of good stuff. Yeah, let's let's try to, you know make them feel happy before, uh, you know, death marching them into uh, a sauna and a beatdown on Saturday. Yeah. I think this is an important thing to remember if you're a USF fan. Unless you were very optimistic. If you were our friend Stieg level optimist, <laughs> you imagine them coming 0-2 into the, the FAMU game. 
Absolutely. After Saturday, you're probably going to be 0 2 in the family game. If you lose by forfeit 1 to 0, if you lose 100 to nothing, it's really just still it's a loss. So I don't, the season's not dead based on these first two games. We talked about in the post game of the NC State game the ability to take a punch and keep going, right? We thought, are they going to be able to take a punch and keep going? And, and we talked about it in terms of that game where it seemed like almost, and then they kind of petered out, right? But in terms of also the season, it's a long season, and your toughest games are probably your two hardest games are at the very beginning, Cincinnati being a debatable and in, in inclusion, I think. But your two toughest games are at the very beginning. So can you take that punch and continue where you have some winnable games coming up after that and get some positive momentum going along with the positive momentum you have off the field. I think that's kind of, can they take that early scheduling punch and then get up? Um, so not just in terms of one game, but the whole season, that's going to be, I think the story of this team this year. Agreed. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, we we love the process over the result and see if you can get back up off the canvas. That's, that's the name of the game. I know uh, there's been a meltdown. I'm sure we had a, a pretty hefty helping hand in, in that, but I think uh, what we wrote about this week was important. Um, it needed to be said again, the, the lack of pushback from a very vocal fan base who, uh, truly does love to tell us when we are wrong and uh, when we are way off base. That never happened. So I'm glad we did what we had to do uh, in terms of that. And we'll we'll reconvene um, on Saturday. We will try to get – I think we can pre-record a pregame show, so we may do that. Halftime, uh, less likely. Uh, and then – We'll elbow some radio guys out of their yeah, yeah. Get out of the way, uh, yeah. Jim Lauken and Sam Barrington. Get, Mick, get this Mick, is our booth now. Hit the bricks, Mick Hubert. <laughs> uh, so uh, halftime show probably not going to happen. We'll definitely have a a post game wrap up show, um, like we always do. Either you know via Facebook or we'll we'll set up something on Streamyard here, as, so we can all interact. Um, but. Again, uh, I can't thank thank you guys enough. I can't thank our guests enough, Dr. Carla, uh, Colin, Dr. Matt, for coming on uh, to to shed some more light onto their writing process and what made them, uh, you know, write these uh, incredible stories that are on the Daily Stampede uh, right now that you guys can read. Um, and then thanks again to our presenting sponsor of Irish 31. Uh, we love those, those folks, those fine folks, Hyde Park, West Chase, uh, Seminole, Wiregrass, uh, gosh, West Shore, uh, everywhere. Go check them out. Uh, again, they'll have a uh, the Bulls bonus watch party with Danielle and Magic 94.9. Uh, the next one is Saturday, September 25th. It's the BYU game. Uh, obviously, kickoff is to be announced. It's at uh, the Hyde Park Irish 31. And then they'll have uh, four more throughout the rest of the season for the, for the road games. Uh, you know, that they've got watch parties at all six locations all season long. Wall to wall flat screens. The Bulls themed drinks. Uh, $5, 16-ounce jingling flights, 
uh, you know, and you snap a picture with Coach Scott, uh, the cub- cardboard cutout in every pub, share it on Instagram for a win to, ch- to win tickets to USF's next home game. Uh, make sure you tag at Irish31pub and hashtag horns up. Again, can't thank them enough for, for what they're doing. Please go check them out. Uh, they have great food, great drinks. Uh, they've got uh, trivia. They've got bike uh, runners club, everything. Mimosas, uh, all day mimosas on Sundays. Uh, just absolutely uh, incredible place. Absolutely. Irish 31 pub stadium eventually. Let's do it at you know Publix Field at the Leroy Selman football facility uh name it all let's go again this has been nathan seth and Vito for the bluminati podcast proudly presented by irish 31 go bulls oh wait oh man i almost forgot i almost forgot oh my gosh me me being the person that i am almost forgot we have three pairs of tickets to give away Whew. man i'm so glad i have it i even had it pulled up on my phone all right, we have three tickets, uh, three pairs of tickets, two club session tickets uh, that were, were kindly uh, given to us by by Eric Coulson, uh, who's out of state, and then uh, Matt Cole and, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to forget the next guy. I can't remember feed. I think it was my Twitter. Yeah, I think it was. I'll have to find it. I will make sure we get the thanks um, out in person. But for – the first set of club seats. Uh, we we told you guys to uh, donate to Alexis Belchman's uh, GoFundMe as she as USF softball player is battling a, a brain tumor, brain cancer, is having surgery on the 16th. Uh, we said donate, screenshot, and you will get uh, entered into a, a drawing for these tickets. And we're we're gonna do that real quick. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see. We've got first up. Let me see. Hold up. Sorry. This is riveting, riveting content. Uh, Paula Rainey, congratulations. You have won two tickets, club section, to the USF game this Saturday. Paula Rainey, congratulations. You have won. Uh, Sherry Lane, you have also won. Congratulations. You have won. Two tickets to the Florida game with club seats. And finally, TRAVB at unentitled underscore TRAV. You have also won two tickets to the Florida game, uh, courtesy of really, really tremendous fans who decide to give out those tickets. We'll have tickets to give away all season long. We'll have tickets to give away for the FAMU game. I appreciate it again uh, for Vito, uh, Seth, and myself. This has been the Blue Naughty Podcast presented by Irish 31. Go Bulls, be safe.